Did you ever think you would make it? I feel I'm so close I could take sweet victory. I know this life meant for me. Yeah, why would you bet on Goliath when we got bet David? Value taming, giving values contagious. This world of entrepreneurs, we get no value to haters. How they run, homie, look what I become. I'm the, I'm the one. Fake California. Yeah, it was not the kind of food. Anyway, so today we got a special podcast. It's episode number what? 249. We have Frank Rodriguez, whom I'll play a clip for you that if you don't recognize, he is the executive director from Gays Against Groomers. I saw a video clip of what he said, which I'll play again in a second. Uh, and I said, I, I, it's impressive to have uh, a message like that being given to the audience that he did. And then I looked him up, I shared it on Twitter, and then him and I got connected. I want to say, Frank, you and I have been talking for a month, two months. We've been going back and forth, and then eventually I talked to Rob. I said, let's get you on the calendar. You're here now. You flew in from a wonderful airport that we all love. So for those of you that don't know Gays Against Groomers, let me kind of set you up in a beautiful way. Please. Because I know Wikipedia, obviously, whatever they write, it's got to be 100% accurate. <laughs> of course. So let's kind of go through this. So here's Wikipedia's definition of Gays Against Groomers. is an American far-right, anti-LGBT organization known for protesting against gender-affirming care for minors, including, including uh, at uh, hospitals that provide it, against LGBT representation at schools. And against Drag Queen Story Hour events. Some people may say these are good things. Uh, if you call that far right, you take that far right out, many parents would say these are things I'm concerned about. A spokesperson for the LGBT advocacy group, GLAD, has claimed that the group uses the slur groomer to characterize LGBT people as pedophiles. GAG has hosted anti-LGBTQ rallies alongside other far right and anti LGBTQ organizations such as Moms for Liberty, which has been attended by Proud Boys. And then it goes into explaining how Jamie Mitchell started it, who before what she did and how it led to Lives of TikTok and those videos went viral, et cetera, et cetera. Having said that, thank you for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. From your perspective, what does Gays Against Groomers do? Yeah, so we're a coalition of gay people that do not stand for the sexualization, medicalization, or indoctrination of children through the LGBT umbrella. And for instance, Wikipedia likes to, you know, preference that using the word groomer is an anti-LGBTQ slur. And I would argue, regardless of what your sexuality is, anyone can be a groomer. And so we're targeting all of the things that are happening within our community that damages children. And that's going to be um, like Drag Queen Story Hour, which is hypersexualized content in front of children. Um, we're also pushing back against gender ideology, which is forces children to go down a journey of chemical castration or seeking out surgeries um, to do these types of things to affirm these genders that they feel like. Um, our organization spends a heavy amount a heavy excuse me, a heavy amount of time educating the public with information sessions, attending school board meetings, city council meetings. We have our voices heard in federal legislatures and state legislation and to be able to combat a lot of these things. Our organization is filled with so many people that have the same vision for our community, wanting to be accountable for the things that our community is doing and fixing it which is why all of us identify or fall under the LGBT umbrella. So being anti ourselves is never something that uh, is in our mission. Our mission is to save children from the indoctrination that's happening through our umbrella. That's pretty well. I brought, obviously we have Jed here from the great Jedediah Bila Live show, and we got the biz doc <laughs> in the house as well. Uh, both of you are parents. You have uh, uh, Hartley. You got Bailey and Brooke. I got uh, my set of kids as well. This is something that's very important to all of us as parents. It is a concern. I do want to play this clip of what got my attention of what you were talking about. And some of you who follow the podcast closely, you saw this clip a couple months back. If you want to play this, maybe the first two minutes will be great. Every teacher that has a pride flag in their classroom should be fired and arrested. The gay flag is a sexual flag. It represents nothing other than sexual things. Gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, and questioning. What business is it of anyone on this board of what children would like to do with other children? It is none of your business. It is between them and their parents. But however, you guys want to illegally survey your students, 
My name is Frank Rodriguez. I'm the Executive Director of Operations for Gays Against Groomers. I'm a 31-year-old gay man pushing back against the agenda that's happening within our classrooms. Keeping parents away from this discussion is absolutely severing the relationship between a, a child and their parent. My community is not discriminated against anymore. Shockingly enough, we succeeded. Now you're sending out surveys that's asking students what their gender is, what their pronouns are, and whether or not you should be telling their parents. Could you imagine if my son or one of yours went to school and said, hey, I'm gay and you never knew? All of you up here are pretty intelligent. You have doctorate degrees, you're educated, and you lead this district. But yet, you turn a blind eye with the sexual things that happen in your classroom. I refuse to believe that any of you think that that's appropriate. Because if you think that that is appropriate, you would be a predator. There's images that are going to be displayed today for you to see of a child sucking another child off. And that's in your classrooms. I shake because it makes me uncomfortable to even utter those words to you. This is nothing about inclusion. It is nothing about respect to my community. I say with you with 100% truth, according to the Center of Disease Control, that the reason my community faces such issues in this world has absolutely nothing to do with the straight people on this planet. Has everything to do with the drugs that we digest. Has everything to do with our access to health care. The number one reason my community has so many mental health issues is because they don't have access to health care. And that's, the, that's directly from the CDC. It is not slurs. It's not gay bashing. We don't have access to therapy. If you really want to help the LGBTQ community to feel really accepted in this world, embrace that people have mental health issues and they should seek help. Having a classroom without the American flag in it is a disgrace to this country. Uh -huh. If this country wasn't here, millions of people around the world would perish. And that flag, this flag, should be held high by every single student. So, question. When you gave that speech, I saw it. I couldn't believe it. Um, you can always judge, you know, who is an enemy based on who reacts to this and who pushes back and saying, I can't believe he said this. What a speech. This is ridiculous. He's such a this. He's such a that. Who pushed back on your speech? Who came back and said, Crank, you don't know what you're talking about? So the main people that pushed back against this was going to be my community, the LGBT community. They're very vocal in this, the, the far left, um, when it comes to these types of things, the, the woke um, side of this. And then also a lot of um, woke uh, women also uh, pushed back on this. I think um, when it comes to my community, you know, the, the gay community, when we point out these things that really need help, such as our mental health issues or our drug addiction rates, no one wants to talk about these things. They want to brush those under the rug. But the moment you get someone like Huntington Beach wanting to just fly the American flag at their facilities, they get uproared, they get angry, they get mad. But no one fights for the things that we actually need. And so that's why I'm really glad that this speech that I say that shook the world actually opened the eyes to a lot of people because there are things that my community needs. Um, and unfortunately, they're pushing back on it. Jed, your reaction when you're hearing something like this as a parent, what are your thoughts about this? Yeah, as a parent and somebody who used to work in schools, um, you know, this is, a to me, a deeply anti-parental rights movement. And the school really wants to get in the way of the relationship between parents and their children. And you have guidance counselors now, I'm sure you know, that are being told by administration, keep it confidential, don't make phone calls home to parents. You need to make sure these kids are protected. And they present it as a guide of protection, essentially, against their own parents. So you have kids being turned against their parents in many respects, and they feel like the parents are the enemy. They no longer speak to their parents. It breaks down the lines of communication, which essentially enables, you know, indoctrination on many levels then. Then you have students in oftentimes left-wing institutions. <clears throat> they're not communicating with their parents. And larger issues begin to, you know, be received in terms of the indoctrination that we see in schools. I think it's interesting, though, when I heard you talk about the American flag. That had to be such an enormous trigger for these people because a lot of the people who are battling against what, what you're doing are also battling what this country represents, mm -hmm. you know, everything this country represents. And I think them hearing you say that about the American flag, the response, the trigger re reaction is, 
well, there's people who don't like the American flag. So, you know, what is your point about there's people that, you know, should, why can't we take the American flag down? Why is the American flag held to a different standard than an LGBTQ flag? So I'm sure that they felt incredibly triggered by that remark because not only do they have a deep resentment of this country and a deep resentment of everything it stands for, but they want to correlate what you're, uh, uh, what you're saying is true, a sexual, a representation of sexuality and a representation of just this country, the values of liberty, the values of freedom and whatnot. So I think that's I think that's where you drove these people to insanity. Just the reference of the American flag itself will make them nuts. So and thanks for doing what you're doing, because, you know, if nothing else, you're speaking out. And it's, it's, I'm sure you get I can't even imagine what comes your way from the woke community. So good for you, man. Thank you. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this article. What is sexual grooming? This is an article from 2017. I don't know if you have this or not. It's not a newer article. Uh, it's uh, uh, six years old. Seven things to know about this abuse tactic, okay? Number one, anyone can be a victim, okay? It often starts with friendship. Got it. Perpetrators use favors and promises to build trust. Makes sense. Five, grooming can be difficult to distinguish. I'm sorry, secrecy is a common characteristic of grooming which is number four. Number five is grooming can be difficult to distinguish from romance. Victims can get out. Family members and friends can help, but it's important for them to tread uh, carefully. So this, this comment, this topic of grooming, I watched Vice do the documentary they did two weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that or not, from a couple of weeks ago when it came out. Did you see the... the I don't think so. Okay, no. it's not really a documentary. It's just a clip they put on their channel. If you can go to it, I just send it to you on your... Uh, uh, yeah, right there. So this whole thing that came out, uh, transphobic influencers are driving a violent groomer conspiracy. Okay, so we don't need to play this clip, but if you play it, you guys are in it. You know, uh, Matt Walsh is in it. Rogan's in it. A lot of people are in it that they're pushing back. I'm sure you saw this, Jed, I did see on that. what they're doing. Okay, so the, the argument of this video is there is no such thing as groomers. Okay, cool. No problem. Now, play what just came out from Project Veritas. That one you can actually play yeah. from two days ago, which I'm sure you guys have seen if you've that, not yeah. seen it. This is from two days ago, okay? And this is what parents are concerned about, right? When this uh, uh, reverend, I think it's called the reverend of, uh, what is the organization called? I think it's called... Uh, um, it's out in California. Landslide something, something. You know, Rob, I texted it to you. If you want to look at it, uh, uh, it's an Instagram video. It says, uh, breaking groomers, Reverend Casey Martinez, you know, how they do what they do. If you just look at your text, you'll see that I send it it's to you. It's Loomis Basin Congregation of the United Church of Christ, Casey Martinez Tinnen. Uh, that's the guy who was. Very disturbing to see what this guy's saying in the interview. Do you see it? I'll just put a thumbs up so you see it. Um, uh I think I texted to you like literally 839. If you look up 839, I send it to you right there. Put a thumbs up on it. And you see, have you have you taken a look at this interview yet, Tom, or no? No. I want you to listen to this. If you can zoom in a little bit so the audience can see it, there you go. And refresh it so we can watch it from the beginning. Perfect. Uh, there we go. Audio. In my mind... How communities I thrive is through intergenerational relations. Try to refresh and get the audio at the same time and pause it so I can just read the, just press the button so it doesn't play. I know we're like this close to having parents freaking the F out is how he opens it up. Then play it. This close to having parents freaking the In my mind, how communities thrive is through intergenerational relations. So I and the older queer folks are mentoring these young adults. Have you talked to your kids about the order? How do you, have you considered blockers? How, how critical is it, do you think, critical. to get them when they're young? Critical. We used to meet at the church because it was free, and kids would say they're going to youth group. We moved to the library because kids said they were meeting their friends at the library. Wow. So it's not lying, but it's not fully the truth. When they know that their queer kid is coming to me for support, they're going to be upset. It's when you are purposely misgendering them, when you are purposely not using their name. How do you handle that? I call CPS. But that's your standard protocol. 
If we want these kids to thrive and survive, we must get to their parents' first. Meet Reverend Casey Tinnen of Loomis Basin Congregational Church in Loomis, California. Casey is also the founder of The Landing Spot, a nonprofit community center meant to create, quote, a safe, supportive, and... At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply empowering space for lgbtqia plus youth and their families Pause it. a project it's it's stuff like this that uh, parents see and and vice one minute is saying no one's doing this the word conspiracy yeah. it's a conspiracy theorist groomers all this other stuff then you see this and they say okay vice why don't you now do something like project veritas is doing and really find out for us from both sides whether this is happening or not What's your reaction when you see something like this? Uh, grooming's happen in many forms. It's not just sexual grooming. When you think of grooming, you're, anytime you take a child away from a parent and teach them something that it goes against the parent's beliefs, you are grooming that child into your ideologies, your beliefs, and the way that you want that child to be, regardless if that's going to be sexual, religious, or any other political ways that you think that that child should be. Grooming is happening in so many different capacities, and that's why Gays Against Groomers is making such headway in this because we're breaking barriers and destroying narratives that the woke agenda has formed to be able to captive to captive these children against their parents like we were saying earlier if a child if like in this video where they say that you know children might you know commit suicidality or something like that having parents involved in that child's experience from day 1 from when they're born until the parents are gone is vital to the success of that person and that's vital for for my community if we don't have our parents involved in the decisions that we're making, you're setting up that child to have 40% higher drug addiction rates, 25% to be able to commit suicide, and just going down a journey that is not supported on their own. They need their parents. And so like this video saying he can't go to the parents, that's deeply disturbing because if a child has questions about who they are or the journey they want to take in their life, the number one people that can handle this conversation are the parents. I mean, they can't indoctrinate the kids, though, unless they remove the parents. Oh, it's integral. Yeah. So, I mean, what th that guy saying, sitting and saying, a reverence, no less, sitting and not he outright encouraging lying, saying, you know, lie to your parents. He says, well, it's not lying. But of course it's lying. And saying that he's going to call Child Protective Services yes. on parents for misgendering the kids. I mean, he's now making a decision. He's deciding to play parent. He's removed those parents from the equation. He said, you don't matter. You're a hazard to your own children. He's made that decision. And now he said, well, I'm going to do a better job. The state essentially is going to do a better job of raising your kids than you are. And it's such an integral step because if you had parents involved, you would have pushback. So what's interesting is that for years, we've had indoctrination of kids, years and years and years. And that you're right, that has been grooming. And you know, a lot of conservatives have pushed back on that for years. But something different happened here when it applied to this stuff related to sexuality. That word groomer, because that word was used before. We've been using, I've been using that word, oh, they're grooming kids in schools for years. 
but there wasn't this type of pushback. Why do you think now, when it came to sexuality, why why such a pushback to the point where you've gotten banned? I'm sure we'll talk about that, where that word was banned on Twitter, where you couldn't talk about something. There is something deeply sinister going on with this agenda as it relates to children. And I don't know if there's a lot of money to be made by pharma. I don't know if a lot of institutions are connected, but there's something different going on that goes above and beyond just traditional indoctrination in schools, that they are responding to you the way that they are. What do you think that is? Yeah, so I talk about this a lot um, in my community. You kind of see it from this gentleman here who obviously is gay. Um, the genera- or the time that we grew up, there was definitely a time where we were suppressed. We were you know, attacked for just simply being who we were. And I'm a firm believer that a majority of my community has not overcome that closet trauma. And now they're projecting that onto these kids and they're suffering the consequences of this. And so you see that in the statistics like you know, 60% of my community not getting access to mental health care. And so pairing that with what we're seeing today, a lot of the people like this gentleman here, I hate to say, is probably dealing with some sort of mental health issue that he has not overcome. And now we're projecting this on this onto kids as if it's going to help them. And it's not. We're seeing damage. We're seeing kids, you know, uh, seeking out gender affirming surgeries and coming back and saying that they don't want to transition because of behaviors like this affirming. I, I, got, I got two questions for you. Okay. For, I'll go with this one since we are on the topic right now. Uh, Frank, at what age did you know you were gay? Yeah, so um, I started thinking about, you know, my sexuality probably around 10 years old and um, started talking to my parents about it and going um, down that journey with them. The most concerning part is if I would have grown up in today's society, um, simply putting on my mom's shoes and maybe playing around with her makeup would have deemed me a girl and they would have sent me to be medically transitioned and I would no longer be able to have kids right now. So that's why you see our community pushing back on this because I would have fell victim to this agenda. In that video, you said you're a 31-year-old gay man. Are, are you 31 or 32? 31. 31. Okay, so you're still 31. That's great. Yeah. Still, when's your birthday? You're... January. Oh, so we got some time to go. We so you're going to celebrate time. 31 for a minute. <laughs> so here's a question for you. I, I asked it before you came in, and I was wondering what these guys would say. Out of 100 gay men, specifically gay, you know, how many of the gay men in America you think were born gay? How many you think were recruited, baptized, indoctrinated into believing they're gay, or they just had a really rough life, father figure wasn't there, it was a mess, parents, drugs, whatever. What percentage do you think they were born? What percentage were like, I may be, I'm not getting the attention, let me maybe be gay. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I remember reading a study that said, like, the more older brothers you have, the more likelihood you are to be, you know, homosexual. Um, If I had to take a best guess, I don't have statistics on this. I would say probably 25% of the gay community was, you know, sexually assaulted that put them into this um, community. I've seen, um, you know, plenty of that happen. And um, probably, you know, the rest is is the grooming. But a majority of people I would feel, like myself, just come to the, the being of, you know, I just am attracted to the sex that I'm attracted to. Um, so I would say about 25% of as a best guest. 20, 25% was born. No, 25% would have been groomed or, you know, had some sort of negative life influence that would have and led the, them down that. And you think the other 75% is, was born that way? Yeah, like when we say born that yeah. way, I would I would argue that it would be growing up in a, in a generation or in a, in a journey that um, you didn't have like, grooming happening where it's like you must be gay like it's happening now you know throwing it like i believe you mentioned in a podcast saying it to a child a thousand times it's gonna you know right you know i was saying it to adam yeah 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 and so i'm thinking you know 75 percent are just simply have great parents and were just embraced of who they were and grew up to be a gay person can you can you did you see the bill maher episode where he talked about what percentage of different generations were gay did you ever see that clip or no i think it's doubled i think it went from like one percent i gotta to show something. this to you yeah. so so here's here's what he does and he says if you if you look at the silence generation 0.8 percent of the silent generation born in the 40s is gay 2.6 percent of uh boomers 4.2 percent of gen x 10 and a half percent of millennial 20.8% of Gen, uh, uh, what is that? Is that Gen uh, Z? And then 41.6, I don't know if 41.6 is Gen uh, Gen Y or Gen Z. Okay, but but you're seeing the trend going up. Obviously, the joke for him was by 2080, we're all going to be gay. Okay? That's kind of <laughs> what Bill Maher was talking about. But when you, when you think about a percentage growth like this, all I think about is 
is is it really 75 percent we we don't know i mean no matter that's not a research that anybody's going to really be able to get right because if there's we all have a friend like hey when i was a kid i remember this one guy there were two brothers and we knew from fourth grade they were this you know hey i remember when i was a kid you know this person was i remember this girl that was we all have a story where we look at and say yeah that makes sense i'm not surprised and we grew up or like 22 years old did you know johnny was well am i surprised i knew at eight years old this guy was possibly going to be this I think the concern that a lot of parents are having, Bill Maher is not a parent. This guy chose to live a different life. He's also sitting there saying, why are the percentages of gays keep increasing the way it does? So, so then the grooming concept gets a little bit of credibility. Maybe that is mm-hmm. happening. Maybe, maybe it is becoming a religion to be part of the LGBTQ community. Because if that's the case and if it's a religion, what is wrong with baptizing others? What is wrong with trying to convince you, you know, whether you're gay or not, whether you like men or not. So that's the argument where, you know, if if other religions are baptizing people, can I impo- impose my religion on you? Can I impose my philosophy on you? So do you think they see it that way, the groomers see it that way, that I'm baptizing your kids just like the institution has been baptizing us and to believe in we're Christians, God exists, all this other stuff. Do you think they see it that way? I think um, when someone is grooming a child, you know, to be a part of the LGBT community, I think they know exactly what they're doing. You see a lot of uh, people, especially on TikTok, you know, pushing this onto their children as if it's something, some sort of fad. We use this this phrase called trans trending, and it's because we see, like in schools, like in, in Castro Valley Unified School District, they painted 10-foot uh, pride flags on their floors in their elementary schools. If you're not putting gay on a pedestal and popularizing it, um, you know, then I don't know what is. So they're putting the, these this community as a on a pedestal, and everyone wants to strive for that in school. And the students are messaging us saying that they can't speak out, they can't, you know, tell people how they feel because they're in fear of judgment, they're in fear of violence. And this is happening as young. I get these messages from kids in elementary school that they're scared. And so I would agree, I would agree that based on these numbers, you can definitely say, um, you know, grooming is happening at a wide scale in our school systems. And one of the things that my side or the woke side will, will push back on is people are more accepting now. People are able to be themselves now and come out of the closet now. And I would argue there is absolutely no statistics to prove that. But there are statistics showing that the more acceptance and the more we push it in our schools, the more children are going to identify that way. And if we want to play dumb, then we cannot acknowledge that. Would you, would you, uh, uh, Tom and, uh, and uh, Jed, I'm going to ask you guys as parents, would, you, would it bother you if they came out and they got a tax code like Scientology and it becomes a religion mm-hmm. and it's no longer um, a gender you know, where it's not a gender that you're, you're male, female, oh, my God, all these other pronouns that I got to remember. all. The- no, guess what it is? Moving forward, LGBTQ is a religion. We're a nonprofit organization. We have preachers. We have pastors. And we baptize. And, yes, we are converting. We are doing it the same way Christians are doing it, the same way Muslims are doing it, the same way Catholics are doing it, the same way seven-day you know, Jehovah LDS is doing it. That's what we're doing. We are officially religion. Would that make you a little bit more comfortable knowing their motive is now clear? Well, it would be transparent, at least. Yeah. I mean, it's a religion already. We can all acknowledge it is a religion. Correct. I mean, I always say leftism is a religion, environmentalism. They, these radical agenda. They, these are religions. But they, they would, one, never do that because part of what's happening here is, you know, indoctrination, there, there's a slyness to it. There's a sneakiness to it. There's a, you have to normalize the grooming, right, in order to indoctrinate. You have to make it like, no, this is just a new way of life. Where this is, we're just being accepting and kind. Before we were bigoted and we were harassing people. And now we're just making everything, this is what the new normal is. And it's healthy. They need it to look like that. If it becomes a religion, then they're going to open themselves to a lot of criticism. There's going to be people that are going to be able to say, I opt not to be a part of that. And just like someone else can say, I opt not to be a part of Christianity or I opt not to be a part of Judaism. That would have to also be accepted then that you make a choice and you're either going to be part of this whole grooming system or you're not. They don't want that. They want that to be the new normal whereby then everyone has to adhere uh, or wear wear the label of being a bigot. That's the structure that needs to be in place for the grooming to be successful. Yeah, you know, I, I look at it, and th- their goal is is not to be separate and contrasted. 
they don't want that. Because if you say, oh, you're a religion, now you're a category. Now you're in a box. You draw a box around that. And that's not what the movement wants. Because that's going to create contrast. That's going to create separatism. Oh, Jewish people are like this. Muslim people are like this. And this group over here is like this. That's not what they want. Exactly what she said. They want normalcy. More importantly, this is just noise. What's going on deeper underneath is a socialist Marxist trend to split children away from their parents, not on any particular sexual theme, but for the state to control thought and the state to kind of indoctrinate kids. And that's really what the big root of the tree is. And all we're seeing on this is is kind of noise. But if they were to just, you know, it is religion, and she's correct. It's an ideology. But do you understand what I'm, I, I want you to think about the question I'm asking. Yeah. Just hear me out the question I'm asking. What if they flat out came and they said they are a religion, okay? Mm-hmm. And, you know, here's what we believe in. We want to baptize you in the name of the lesbians, the gays, the, you know, whatever, the LGBT, you know, this is what we do. And we think this is a way of life. You know, then you and I can sit there because somebody, somebody can argue and say, what's wrong with what we're doing? You guys are doing that. Okay, when your kids go to Christian schools, don't you ask them to read the Bible and do that? Is, isn't that a form of shaping their mindset? Isn't that what you're doing? You know, again, their okay. argument. I'm just thinking about but what their argument the would be. The club would be very small, though, because Correct. most people don't want this. What happens is the kids go to these schools. They're groomed. They're indoctrinated. Now those kids are being changed and transformed without even realizing it. So they need people to be in a system where they don't realize what's happening to them, and it's stealthy and it's sly. And then all of a sudden, they're part of the club, and everyone has to accept it. If it was something that you, that you had to join, and actually actively understand what it was. How many parents do you think would really want their kids to be part of Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. That religion. There would be almost no one. Parents are being dragged into this because they don't have a choice. Because kids go to school, all of this happens without parental consent, and before they know it, they're being puppeteered. So without the puppeteering, the whole system breaks down, and that club would actually be... It would consist of, you know, a a lot of crazy people and some hard leftists, and it would be very small, and it would be isolated. They can't have it be isolated. It needs to be media-endorsed. It needs to be Hollywood-endorsed. It needs to take over society at large, or they're not happy. Yeah, to answer your question directly, it would at least be intellectually straightforward and transparent. And they would say, okay, this is us. This is our box. This is where we are. But what they would find, what you will find in there is you would find, and maybe this is a question back for you, you would find a huge percent of people that identify as, as gay or lesbian of being equally concerned, you know, about their, about the the reflection back on them. So the more separate that the, the, as you would say, the religion or the cult of grooming becomes, the more isolated it becomes, even from the mainstream, you know, gay and lesbian f- families and citizens. I, I would say, like, the biggest distinction when you want to, like, compare it to, like, a religion, um, you know, for the aspect of grooming, you're removing those parents from to groom that child. So in this case, you would be removing the parents to groom them in, in under this new religion. And so that is a big, big red flag for me. And I think that that's absolutely disgusting because when you take someone, when you take a child, like your child, to a church, any church of any denomination, you're grooming that child because that is your child. You make that decision as the parent. That is your child. But when my community removes you as a parent and wants to indoctrinate that child into this religion, now you're a predator. Frank, uh, uh, goes to any one of your guys. So in the last seven, eight years, the seven years, the number one uh, pastor, preacher that baptized the most people into the religion of Christianity, 210 million people, is Billy Graham. Okay. And the last 15 years, one would say it's Joel Osteen. He does it at the old Rockets, you know, Houston Rockets Arena. And, 80,000 people come per weekend, and he is the current modern day. Who is the Billy Graham or the Joel Osteen of the LGBTQ community baptizing the most people right now? I would say RuPaul. 
You think RuPaul? Yes, his show that he puts on is hypersexualized. It's put on mainstream TV, and they even spoke about grooming in their most recent uh, season. Children see this on TV, and granted, the things that happen on TV are not going to be as sexual as what you see in person, but that is the gateway to want to explore this industry. Now, when a child goes to a place like RuPaul's DragCon that attracts thousands of people, you see children on stage performing for adults in ways that are very inappropriate. And the only place that that behavior is okay is in platforms and places like what the LGBT community puts up. And if you take a child to a straight bar and allow them to do these things, it's all of a sudden, that's wrong. But because you paint pride flags on the walls and celebrate sexuality, it's now all of a sudden okay. Who else would you put on that list outside of RuPaul? Um, would you put this Jeremy Marsh guy up there on TikTok, what he's doing? You know who I'm talking about? Yes, Je- Jeffrey Marsh. Jeffrey he's Marsh. a big can you, player, yeah. Can you play this one here real quick? I mean, this sounds very appropriate, the way he talks. Just listen to this, obviously, sarcastic. Hey, kids. Hi, kids. I want to talk to the kids. Hey, kids. <laughs> Hi, kids. Hey, kids. Hi. It's good for children to see LGBTQ lives. Your parents screwed up. If you need a family, you can come hang out with me. Very appropriate. I mean, just sounds like a sweetheart of a guy, right? Very creepy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. But, but, the whole tone, right? But the, but the question I'm asking is, you know, this is purely baptism. This is nothing more than baptism. This is nothing more than, you know, what some of these cults would recruit people over. Who are some of the bigger cult leaders that we read about that, you know, have done documentaries or movies about, Right. There's a bunch of them. The model works. You know, you pin them against parents. You, you know, create an enemy. It's not fair. You make them feel welcome. You make them feel loved. They go to a place. They're accepted. They're a little bit weird. And, hey, come and be part of our group. It is a form of baptism. This is why I think it's, a, it's becoming a religion. This is not a gender argument. This is purely a religion. And they feel their approach right now. They're ba- obviously, if you look at statistically, you got to give them credit. They're winning because statistically they're baptizing a higher percentage of generation to generation to generation, and they're winning. So you guys want to fight against that, right? What is your approach to fight against that? Yeah, so um, a lot of people don't hear from you know our side of the gay community, and there are a lot of people on our side that do not agree with this. The moment you, such as like this gender ideology, the moment you say a man is however you want to identify or a woman is however you want to identify, you just eliminated gays and lesbians. That's my whole sexuality. Mm. I'm attracted to men, not someone that identifies as a man and not someone with a prostate. I'm attracted to men. And the moment you change that now, you're now I'm no longer here. So that's why a majority of our community, especially on our website, that we mentioned an overwhelming amount of the LGBT community is not okay with what is happening now with this gender ideology. So what we do is we go to school boards and we we let them know like ways that they can actually help our community and ways that they can actually get involved in a positive way and keep the parents there. Okay, let me ask you a question on that, and I'm going to ask you for an estimate here. When we look at um, any political party, look at the right wing or left wing, so I'm not picking any, people will say, well, there's the core, you know, Republicans on the right, and then there's this weird fringe, and then even core Democrats will say, well, you know, I'm a core Democrat, I'm not out there with um, AOC, I'm not out there with Bernie, I'm core, right? What percent would you say when you just said my community thinks like you and what percent is this vocal, you know, um, I want to say fringe, but this vocal group, what percent would you say that is that if you got everybody in a room, had a secret ballot, how many people that are living gay, lesbian lives, families of their own would say they're with you and what, but maybe very nervous about saying anything. And what percent is this vocal, vocal group? Yeah, so I would argue 60 to 70% do not agree with this gender ideology. We get tons of support silently from the LGBT community, and it is because of the violence that we face every single day. Um, you know, I've had things show up at my door. I've had people come wow, to my door. There you go. And so that alone, everything that we have gone through, everything that I have gone through is enough to get me off of this this journey and say, you know what? I'm too scared. This is this is going to affect my life. This is going to affect my mother's life and my parents' life, and it has. And I tell my family all the time, this is a journey that I will 
I will happily die on this hill for and lose everything for because this is my community. I would have fell victim to this. So 60%, 70% of my community does not support this. And that's why Gays Against Groomers is so important because we're actually providing that voice that no one has heard before. You, just one quick, you talked about RuPaul. Um, I just want to add to that. First of all, and this guy, Jeffrey Marsh, is insane. Dylan Mulvaney um, is a very key influence, particularly with young people, mm-hmm. all over TikTok. So, I mean, it, it, there was just recently a video that came out of him wanting acting like a little girl. Yes. I mean, so, and I'm curious when we talk about this from your perspective, you talked about, you know, mental illness and not having access to the help you need. How much of what's going on now here with what you see, you know, 15 genders plus, you know, the pronouns everywhere, what are very clearly grown men that are acting in very strange ways, creepy videos being targeted toward kids. How much of this that's going on now is undiagnosed mental illness that people are afraid to call mental illness because they're afraid of being labeled a bigot or whatnot. And now this is being normalized and infiltrating a movement that really started when it came to the gay rights movement as just live and let live. You know, that's a very good question. Um, and I'm in a very good spot to be able to answer something like this. And before I do, I just want to I want to let it know that this comes from love for my community. It does not come from hate. I know, you know, leading up to the show, people wanted to say that we're just a far right, you know, platform pushing far right ideologies. But this is a concern. I would say that a majority of it is I go down into the lion's den of the groomer capital of the world in California. And I speak to these people. And a majority of people, in my opinion, um, are suffering from something. And just to me, I overwhelmingly just want to give them a hug because mm-hmm. it's like you guys are pushing so hard for things that don't make sense. Why? This doesn't this doesn't all add up. And so I would I would argue a majority of it is. And it's it's really unfortunate because they paint us as being these hateful people when we're really just trying to get them the help that they need so they can live a happy life. Yeah. Who's this on? Is this on parents? Is it on activists? Is it on teachers? Is it on politicians? Is it on big pharma? Who 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 is who is this on? I wouldn't blame anyone individually. I wouldn't blame a group individually. I think it is overwhelmingly our our country's inability to get access to health care. When you go and get get mental health services and you're able to talk to an actual mental health professional, not someone that is a, a mental health advocate for their own personal gain, but actually someone that wants to see you get better, I think that that's where we're lacking as a, as a country because you see it with, with the percentages in my community. Um, you think six out of ten can't go see a therapist. That's deeply concerning. Why can't they? I would argue that we earn 10% less. We're also 40% as addicted to drugs. So all of these things, um, you know, hinder us from wanting to seek the help that we need. Um, and then also the culture of the LGBT community. If you go down and then you interact with a lot of our community, there is not a lot of uh, self-accountability, extreme ownership in these things. And it's very much celebrated and um, accepted when you see your fellow gay you know digesting some sort of narcotic to party you 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 hype them up instead of saying hey you know what we should probably not do these types of things and we should probably get you some help and those types of things don't Frank, happen you, you said that you make 10 percent less yes do you say is it is it the lgbtq that makes 10 percent less or gay couples make 10 percent less the lgbt okay that makes sense because gay couples make more than heterosexual couples. I don't know if you've seen this on U.S. Census Bureau. No. Yeah. Gay couples make more money than, than uh, 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 yeah, if you can pull this up. It's straight up from the Census Bureau. May, you, you, you may be right on the LGBTQ side, but uh, here, if you show, there you go. That's the study. If you, employment's improved. You know, zoom in a little bit, 2019, uh, same segment, have couples meeting household income. Uh, a higher median household income than opposing mm-hmm. sex. So the, the the reason why I specifically asked the question the way I did, uh, uh, yeah, let's look at this here. 29, same-sex couples uh, accounted for just 1% married couple household. The small share is partly due to a fewer same-sex relations overall, which are also low among unmarried partners, lower marriage rate same-sex couples contribute 88% opposite sex. Uh, among same-sex couples, go to the number. Overall, same-sex married couples had a higher median income households than opposite sex married couples 107 to 96 respectively and same sex female married couples had a lower median household mm-hmm. income than say same sex male i asked that because 
I don't think it's I think it's right for LGBTQ. I don't think it's right for gays because they tend to typically you'll hear if you live in a community where there's there's a community here. What's the community here? That's a gay community. Wilton Manors. Wilton Manors. Right. Safe community. Right. Westwood. There's a lot of communities. If they're there, it's a safer community. But the 40 percent drugs that you said, why do you think it's 40 percent more drug addiction? What do you think that is? Yeah, I would say it's self-soothing. So um, when you look and see that we can't get access to that health care, you see that we even consume alcohol a little bit higher um, than, than straight counterparts. And this comes from the American Psychological Association. I think that we're using that as a crutch. Um, and just to point out, this is for married couples, right? Yes. Yeah, so I was coming from more of a single um, individual yeah, um, perspective, not a married perspective. And so um, for me, that that's what I would argue. And it's also probably the culture, I would say, that, you know, doing these types of things is very accepted. So you're talking about access to health care, but what I'm seeing is a lot of people who don't want care. They're not seeking out care and saying, I don't have access. They're, they're getting indoctrinated through the system where they're now led to believe that there's nothing wrong. So they don't feel that there's anything wrong in what they're doing. You know, we watched that video of, of Jeffrey or you watch Dylan Mulvaney. They, they certainly have access, but they don't want to address what's going on. There's something going on there right, I think we course. can all acknowledge. So it has to be a combination of, you know, we can talk about access, but also a desire to to fix what's going on. And there's going to be increasing number of people who don't want to fix it because the more these very odd, strange behaviors and multiple genders and drugs for kids gets normalized, the less people are going to seek health because that's going to be the new normal by which everybody lives. Right. So that's going to be a deep problem. You mentioned pharma, Pat. Just a note, pharma stands to make an enormous amount of money off of all this. The drugs that are given to kids are become lifelong drugs. Remember, pharma owns a lot of media. Pharma owns a lot of Hollywood. They run their ads everywhere. So this whole thing is connected to big institutions that have the power to really shape what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, I just I just had I just had I just searched this on the data side before we move on. Uh, 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 I put put gay income versus just put gay income the way I put it, like the the words I put. Just take that and copy paste and put it in. Because again, I want to. I want to. So a recent study has showed that in in U.S. full time employed gay men now earn ten percent more than their heterosexual counterparts. Twenty percent of gay men and twenty five percent of bisexual men between ages of 18 to 44, live in now below prop, uh, poverty levels compared to 15 levels of heterosexual, which is interesting, seeing the pay gap that's taking place. You know, I, so one time, very interesting what happened to us. We're in California. My wife and I, we decided to get this house. And the first house we get in Northridge in 2009, we rent it. We walk in, and it's a gay couple. No problem. One's a lawyer. One works at Disney. One works in real estate. Great. And we're walking through the house, and they have a picture of Ronald Reagan there. <laughs> and I said, I'm looking at the picture of Ronald Reagan, and one of the guys looks at me and says, you think it's weird, don't you? <laughs> I said, you know, it is what it is, to each his own. I said, but can I ask, why Ronald Reagan? And he says, we're conservative in every possible way. We're just gay. It's the only thing that we're different of, you know. And that there's a there's a there's a group in California. What was that group called? The uh, Gay Republican Community. There's a name for Log it, you know. Cabin Log, that's right. Yep. Log Cabin. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're seeing more and more of that taking place. These are successful people that are doing good for themselves. They just happen to, you know, like men. That's taking place. So, from my experience, again, each each one needs to be judged in a different way. Lesbians, gays, you know needs to be judged in a different way. In a community where there's, like, gay working, you know, doing what they're doing, it's typically a safer neighborhood, and it's a cleaner neighborhood, from my experience. And I've seen a lot of different places. But so going back to this, because I do want to stay on this. I know it's very easy, Frank. You can be the gentle one. Let us be a little bit mean here. (laughs) You be nice. Uh, Jed, let's the rest of us take this question, because I think we still haven't gone to the bottom of this question. Um, when you run a company, and the reason why I'm wired this way, I, I want to have the same mistake and not repeat again. And when you're doing anything you do the first time, you're going to have a lot of issues. So I want to know, who was that on? Who was this on? Who was this on? I don't want to put it on anybody. If we don't put it on anybody, then we don't know how to address it, right? So I'm going to go back again, but I'm going to ask it from Jed, and I'm going to ask it from Tom. 
you can sit this one out. Come in if you're ready for it. <laughs> if you feel like you have some kind of courage for this one, jump in this one. Jet, is this on activists? Is this on parents, the momentum that's being created? Is it on Big Pharma? There's a, uh, uh, what is that? Loop, uh, uh, what is that? Uh, Lupron. Lupron. You know, I just looked at what the revenues was for 2022, a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. It's a nice revenue for Lupron that's used for many different things. But, you know, Big Pharma, uh, parents, politicians, teachers, activists, who's allowing this to happen and who's influencing it the most? So I think the momentum, the push is coming from Pharma, okay. but the responsibility and who's allowing this to happen ultimately rests with parents. It Got always it. rests with parents because Got even, it. you know, you can have drag shows for kids. Yeah. You can have all this stuff going on. Yeah. You don't have to take your kids there. You don't have to succumb. So it always, for me, ultimately rests with parents. Do you agree? I think there are opportunists, opportunists up and down the street on this. I think Big Pharma is being very opportunistic. I know a lot about Lupron. I'm not going to name names or go into detail, but you know I have some experience with this, with people that were very, very close to me, about the, the price for that drug and the incredible uh, counseling they do to talk about potential side effects of that drug. And now it's being thrown around like, chicklets, just get some Lupron. It's a puberty, puberty blocker. So I think Big Pharma is absolutely opportunistic. I also think the Democrat Party is absolutely opportunistic because there's some core Democrats that that are not informed on this. They see it as a voting block, and it's part of us. It's part of the Rubik's is part of the, um, the the Tetris that makes up our voting block. So I'm going to do this. And when they don't really dive into it and understand the things you're talking about about um, about mental health issues and drug use that are, that are affecting it, and so they're opportunists. And I also think that this sits at the I think parents have been asleep for the past 20 years and not really realizing what was going on in in the schools, not mm-hmm. understanding what was happening to take a stand uh, to, about the kinds of things that were going to be taught to their children. And now you can take a look at you know which way the teachers swing and donate their their money and things politically. I think there's opportunists. Up and down, and each of the opportunists deserves some of the credit, or I guess you would say blame Pat, for how it's shook out. But I think the spark, the spark has been the activist. Once upon a time, there was a well-intended effort, which ended with the Roberts decision. You can marry, right? 50 states. You don't have to wait. This isn't the ERA, Equal Rights Amendment, through the 70s, waiting for those 37 states, 35 states, to ratify it. Right, Jed? It was suddenly John Roberts that just said... Never mind the states, boom, you can get married. And now you can get married, you have access to spousal health care, I mean, uh, health insurance, because if your spouse works, he can say, this is my spouse, and now you get access to health insurance. Um, that was a big point, but there's activists that are going far beyond that. And so that's where I put it, is everybody down the street, I think, has a responsibility here, Pat, and the activists have been the spark. The activists can't get anywhere without mainstream media endorsement, though. So you, the activists are pivotal, but they will always be viewed as sitting over here in the corner. Oh, they're extreme until you get that mainstream media endorsement. So once you have the GMAs and once you have the cable news and once you have once you have the pharma funded media on board and the large umbrella saying this is healthy, this is normal, this is how you take care of your kids, then those activists who would have been relegated to the corners as extremists are now elevated and that all, that whole umbrella becomes the new normal. I would also add that the increasing number of followers fatherless homes, particularly in this country, is adding gasoline to the fire here. Because if someone is going to stand up to this stuff, it's going to be the dads in the home. The dads are going to say, this doesn't sound right to me. They're less likely to buy into woke ideology. Look at how women vote. Look at how men vote. This is just a reality, whether you like it or not. Not having those dads in the home provides, there's a lot of you know single moms out there. They're leaning on the system a lot more. They're not as financially independent. They're more pharma dependent. They're more likely to listen to and be malleable when you have, you know, schools and indoctrination camps coming their way. Not having that stable force as a dad in the home is leading to kids that are coming out with a lot more problems, kids that are more easily manipulated by social media, and also a whole structure that collapses under the weight of a massive indoctrination program. So, By the way, this is a strange time to be a kid. 
It's a little scary, right. honestly. Yeah. It, it, it is. It's, it's a strange time to be a kid to even understand these guys. But going back to it, Tom, so what you're saying is you're saying from the left, it's kind of like a voter bro- voting block. Like they're looking at this is a like a, a, a black vote. They got to win the black vote. They got to win the LGBTQ vote. I just searched to see what percentage of a, a vote uh, voters in America are, uh, identify as LGB. It says three and a half percent with 0.3 percent being transgender okay so one side saying they're trying to win the vote so they're going to get that vote for the next 20 30 40 years fine let's say that's one part of it next Mm -hmm. you said the big pharma is a part of it you were going a little bit more into that because i was watching side effects of lupron and i saw an article uh, rob i don't know if i send you this article or not if i did if you can pull it up it's life sites news i don't know if you have that one i thought i sent it to you uh, life sites news to see what Lupron does. So if you don't mind in your world, what is to the average person that doesn't know what Lupron is, what, what is Lupron? Yeah, Lupron was used to chemically castrate uh, pedophiles. And now there's a small dose in it in puberty blockers. Yep. And so over time, I, this is this is the scariest part with, with this narrative, is people say puberty blockers does nothing. Um, I would argue that if you put a child on puberty blockers at 11 and then they stop at 19, 20, it's not just going to resume puberty. It's not a puberty delayer. You know, it's a puberty blocker. So these things are are changing the chemicals of your body and castrating you over time. Yeah, here's the article. It says thousands of deaths linked to drugs used as puberty blockers for gender-confused kids. If you can go a little lower, uh, this is an article from 2019. It got some criticism. I'll give the backside of this as well. So September 20th, 2019, UK National Health Services, NHS, uh, is investigating drugs that are used to block normal sexual development among children and teens who are transitioning to the opposite sex that, when used in other applications, have been linked to 6,000 deaths. The drug is question in question are used to lower the levels of testosterone and estrogen, which are building blocks of sexual development and sexual function. The use of these drugs in other areas of medicine to combat prostate cancer, for instance, has been associated with serial mental conditions, including cases of nervous systems, psychiatric disorders, heart failure, seizures, joint pain, bone deterioration, and dozens of other adverse uh, uh, events. The FDA listed over 41,000 adverse reactions between 2004 and 2019 associated with Luprolite, uh, which includes Lupron and similar drugs used by gender clinics. Almost 26,000 of these were classified as serious cases, which also includes 6,000 that's, and I'll read this next part, is FDA indicates that uh, amongst 3 to 17-year-olds who had taken the drug for various medical conditions, there were reported almost 1,500 adverse reactions, over 700 being serious, and 11 of those resulting in death. Of the cases resulting in death, the drug was used to delay puberty, treat uh, growth disorder, or drug therapy as in hormone suppression therapy, among other things. Tom? Yeah, so th- this is, this this drug is a drug that was developed to, uh, and if you look up, there's a condition that affects young girls called precocious puberty. It's when the pituitary gland um, is out of sync with the biological age. And what the Lupron does, and it's given in the thigh like once a quarter with careful monitoring of hormone levels and specifically bone density. Because at puberty, you notice that the joint pain and everything, people are going to have chronic almost arthritic joint pain because the bone development didn't happen. So not only is the bone density, but the bone size, growth plates are are completely out of sync. And so you're, you're not just causing a sex change. What you are doing is you are chemically changing the, the entire structure of that person's body. And they don't come out the same on the other side. In the case of precocious puberty, you do it once a quarter. They monitor it carefully. The puberty, you think of it like, um, defibrillating a heart that's beating improperly. Well, it kind of defibrillates the, and I know doctors probably listening are going to get on the chat and say, that's the wrong way to look at it. But it does, it sort of resets uh, the pituitary gland to say, hey, calm down. This is what we need you to do. And then it was used in adults, adult males, when you give them that, it be, it's the chemical castration for serial pedophiles that we don't know what to do with them. So we're going to give them this big time toxic drug and we're going to throw them in prison. And so the that's where big pharma is like anything. And by the way, this was eight grand a shot. 
That is the market price for Lupron was eight grand a shot. So parents that had this, that was a twenty-four thousand dollar a year. Lupron treatment. is eight grand a shot. Go see if you can find. Uh, I saw the revenues. It's seven hundred fifty-two million dollars in twenty twenty, based on just this drug. Yeah, I'm sure he could go to like you know, drugs.com or drug. you know yeah. the alt, the online um, uh, online legal pharmacies. You know, you could go. You could type go in Lupron it. price of Lupron per shot. Price of Lupron per shot. You'll see prices showing with and without uh, health insurance. By the way, there you go. Seventeen twenty nine. That may be monthly. Multiply that times three, and there's your there's your once a Makes quarter. Makes sense. Shop. Got it. Got it. Well, seventeen hundred times three. That's forty five fifty two hundred dollars. Got it. So 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 to me, when you're looking at when you're looking at this, okay. So then this leads me to the next conversation. Why why such a big push for let the kids take it if they want to before eighteen years old? Okay, let them do it. What's wrong with that? You should let them do it. If they want to do it and the parent supports it, let them go through the process of taking this before 18 years old. Why is there such a big push for that? Um, I would argue that it's it's the income. You know, Big Pharma looks at this as, as a cash cow. And, and if you listen to a lot of detransitioners, they are not supported, um, you know, down the journey. A lot of them, you know, were guided, especially like someone like Chloe, Chloe Cole, was guided down a journey to, to go and transition, but yet didn't fully understand what she was getting herself into, didn't really have the mental capacity at 16, at 15 to say, you know what, I'm going to have a double mastectomy because I really want to be a boy. The, and so when you pair that with Big Pharma's dirty greed, you have all of these children now that are suffering medical consequences because they're using data from children that are suffering from medical illness that need these drugs. But now they're trying to give it to healthy, normal, functioning children, and now we have all of these things happening to them. So when you look at pharma, it's it's hard for people to understand this is a new drug. Not everybody's going to be familiar with this. It's the same game over and over again. So you have to look at it in terms of something that's that's very relatable. For example, birth control pills. Big Pharma encourages doctors and suppliers to consistently give out birth control pills to young women at a very young age. You have young, some young women walking into doctor's offices for acne for a regular cycle. They're not asked about their diet. You don't look at their stress level. You don't look at any other components that could be causing that. And they hand these birth control pills over to young kids who then young girls sometimes are taking these pills from the age of 13 years old straight through 25 years old. You're now seeing a ton of studies, by the way, that show that these women have bone density issues at a very young age. They're going in for scans at the age of 40 and they're having bone density issues because at an age when they were supposed to be at their maximum capacity to build bone, they were impeded from doing that because they were taking birth control pills. So you see the pharma recipe is, oh, let's just disseminate drugs, not investigate, you know, what could actually be going on lifestyle wise and otherwise to fix this problem. So now you bring in these other drugs. It's the same thing. You create a drug dependent person. Women on when you talk about birth control are very hesitant to get off because then they're dependent. They don't want to mess up their bodies. They're like, oh, I'm in this routine. There's a lot of panic that goes into what are the side effects of coming off. You're going to have the same thing with this drug whether it's Lupron or whatever is coming down the pike next from pharma. They want people consistently dependent on these drugs, afraid to get off of them. And it's a permanent, I think you've said it, Tom, it's a cash cow. It's a lifetime cash cow in a lot of cases. And then people who do detransition and go off of them will talk to you about it's not so easy to do that. As as any person who's taken any drug, any pharma drug will tell you, you could take something as simple as a, a proton pump inhibitor for your stomach for acid reflux. There's a weaning process that goes into that. This is not easy stuff. Pharma knows it. And the more people they have reliant and dependent on these drugs from a young age, the more money they make. It's very and, simple. And by the way, I'll be big pharma, right? Well, my spreadsheet says that if you're on birth control pills right up to the point of uh, premenopausal, you know what? That just means I get you on the osteoporosis medication early. Right. And now. That's right. But wait, wait, wait. Your joints hurt? You have issues? No problem. I have a cocktail of osteoporosis medications. Right. I got stuff for your hot flashes. I've got stuff to deal with the pain in your joints and then and and and. Because if you if you take a look at it, you could look at each human being as a lifetime customer of pharma. That's right. You can you can look at it uh, exactly along you know those lines. Y you know I I think I didn't bring up media when I had my you know 
angry summary 10 minutes ago <laughs> because you worked in media and you mm -hmm. saw pharma's influence on on media because of the amount of spend that they have and and we are what's the other country besides us that's allowed to New Zealand New Zealand's yeah, there's only two countries out there that are allowed to advertise like this and and you you lived in this mm -hmm. so I, I didn't bring up media because I don't I've studied pharma and I've studied a lot of other things, but I haven't lived in and studied me. So let, let's let's go let's go with the uh, with this uh, uh, <clears throat> next thing about uh, pu puberty blockers and what it does. So, question becomes the following: So, alcohol. What what age is legal age to drink alcohol? Twenty one. Okay. What age do I need to be to smoke cigarettes? Twenty one in California. Okay. How about if I want to uh, buy a gun? I think 18, yeah. 18. Yeah. 18. Okay. Most states. Uh, what if uh, uh, what if my dad, if I'm let's just say I'm 13 years old, okay, and I go to a bar and my dad says, "Okay, give him a shot of tequila." Can can we do that? No. But my dad said it's okay. Right. In 50 states your dad But but wait a minute. If I, if I go, if my right. dad knows what's best for me and I go to a bar and I say, Dad, I want to do a double shot of tequila because it's been a long freaking day in school, bro. It's been tough. <laughs> Honestly, I need a double shot of tequila, right? And my dad looks at the bartender. Mary, it's okay. Give him a double shot of tequila. But he's only 13. I'm over 21. I'm 34. It's okay. Go ahead and give it to him. Mary's going to say, hey, buddy, I'm not going to lose my license for Do you, you realize how stupid that sounds? Like yep. what I just said right now, how right. stupid it sounds. Now, here's the argument. Dwayne Wade is a hero. He's a hero. He wants to allow his uh, younger kid to transition, and if the father approves, you should let him do that. <laughs> That's a good father in today's age. In today's age, uh, the International uh, Women's Day, Jill Biden recognizes a trans male who is now a woman as the woman of the year. Mm -hmm. do, do you realize the level of hypocrisy in these arguments? So if a 35-year-old father cannot go to a bar with his 13-year-old son and have a double shot of tequila because he's given the permission. What makes you give that argument to say, how is this argument creating momentum? I guess is what the question is. How? Yeah, so a lot of the studies that that justify, you know, gender-affirming care for children are done through surveying these children that were indoctrinated. So you'll get a child, you know, starting, you know, puberty, and in two years they'll ask that indoctrinated child if, if, if you feel like you're going to commit suicide, if you feel better. And if you tell that child for years and years and years that you're a boy in a girl's body and now they're starting to become a girl, you just manipulated that child into being okay with what is happening with them. And so that's why this, this journey of just affirming is highly, highly dangerous because you're not giving the child the opportunity to grow up and make that, that devastating or, or hard decision for their life um, at an age where, where they can fully understand.